In the name of Jesus Christ, who has won for us a home in heaven that you and I might conquer in the fight too and live forever with him in perfect joy and happiness, never again to face the effects of sin. Dear redeemed of God, yesterday our country commemorated the events of 9-11 that took place 20 years ago. Do you remember that day? Have you seen the videos? As we watched the events of that day unfold, we watched with horror. We watched with shock. We watched with a sense of helplessness and fear as we saw what was happening as terrorists flew planes into buildings and farm fields killing thousands of our fellow Americans. But in a way, on that day and in the days and weeks following, there was also a sense of pride as we watched first responders not run away from the danger and damage, but rather run to it to try to rescue as many as they could at the risk of their own lives, and many did lay down their lives. May we be eternally grateful for our first responders. And yet, as amazing and as moving as that rescue attempt was, every human attempt at rescue fades in comparison to the rescue plan that our Heavenly Father put in place when he sent his only son to rescue sinners like us. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus, the Almighty Son of God, came and made his earth, uh, his home in this dark earth so that one day you and I might see the brightness and the glory of heaven itself. And what an appropriate thought for us to consider on this homecoming weekend here at St. Paul as we gather together to hear God's word and receive his holy supper and sing his praise, we want to talk about that home in heaven that Jesus won for us. And as we consider the words from the prophet Isaiah this morning, may the Holy Spirit work in our hearts even a stronger longing for that day when our Savior will say to each of us, welcome home because in that home he will dispel all fear, he will heal every infirmity, and he will give us perfect, endless joy. It was about 800 years before Jesus was born. The land of God's people was enjoying prosperity like never before, but unfortunately there was a corresponding spiritual poverty. Like their fathers had done, many of God's people had turned their backs not only on God, but also on his holy word. And like he had done in the past, God was going to send a prophet to call them to repentance and to warn them of coming judgment if they would not turn back. And they did not turn back. It was the prophet Isaiah. And much of Isaiah's message was one of coming judgment 
when you could say terrorists were going to come to their homeland and tear down their cities and tear down the temple, put to death thousands upon thousands and carry many off into captivity. It was a sad time for God's people. And this would not only make their hands feeble and make their knees shake and make their hearts faint with fear, it would also make God's people tremble, the few that remained in faith. And, and so what was the message of Isaiah? Yes, it was one of judgment, but it was also one of comfort. And as the people were looking ahead to this coming judgment, Isaiah told them, be strong and courageous. Your God will come to save you. And it's that message that would dispel all their fears. Now, although God did rescue his people after 70 years of captivity in a foreign land, ultimately these words are the prophecy by which we look forward to that final deliverance when God will come and deliver all of his people and take all of them home. And it's to that deliverance that God would have us today as his people look when our hands also are feeble with discouragement, our knees weak with trembling, and our hearts faint with fear. And the reason and the circumstances may vary for each of us. We might be facing some illness, maybe even terminal. We might be troubled by the wickedness that we see growing on every hand and how God's word is being rejected more and more even by the visible Christian church. And we also might become fearful as we see one structure after another in society crumbling, making us wonder whether there's something far worse coming than another 9-11. And when these troubles come to us, they surely can make our hands weak with discouragement, our knees tremble, and our hearts faint with fear. And no, the Lord may not deliver us at this time from that illness, he may not deliver us from the evil and the falling of society all around us. And, and no, he may not even deliver us from death before the end comes. But the good news, dear friend, is that he will come to save us. And in that promise, he dispels all of our fears and it is that great day of which Jesus himself spoke when he said, I will come again to take you to be with me that where I am, you may also be. Isn't that reason enough for us then to come as often as we can to this home, this house of the Lord? Because here we meet through word and sacrament the only God who can dispel our fears with the promise that one day he will deliver us. But there is more. When he delivers us, there will be healing for every infirmity. Isaiah writes, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, 
and the ears of the deaf unstop. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb shout for joy. Now we know that Jesus fulfilled these words at his first coming. As Messiah, he had the power to heal the sick, give sight to the blind, and allow the lame to walk, and even raise the dead. But the ultimate fulfillment of these words will take place when Jesus comes to take all of his people home. Then and there, every infirmity will be healed. Now that raises some interesting questions. I've had people ask me things like, well, pastor, does that mean if I live to be 95 and my skin is all wrinkly, does that mean when I get to heaven those wrinkles will be gone? Pastor, have I been losing my hair and turning gray over, over the years? Will I have that all back? Will I be blonde or, or brunette again? And what about the scars? The scars are in our bodies from the wounds, the surgeries. Will, will all those scars be gone? I don't know. God's word does not answer such questions definitively. And even this thought, the disciples could still see the scars on Jesus' hands and feet in his glorified body after he rose from the dead. But what I do know is this. When God's people get to heaven, the blind will see the glory there. The deaf will hear the angels sing. The mute will join in praising the Lamb. And the lame will leap like the deer. All the consequences of sin in this life will be gone and reverse. Every infirmity will be healed. And isn't that another reason for us to make every effort to come to this house as often as we can because here in word and sacrament we receive the healing for our souls through the forgiveness of sins and strengthened in our Christian hope that in our heavenly home every infirmity will be healed. And then, and then there will be the perfect joy. Isaiah writes, They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Who wouldn't want that? Again, we wish that the Lord God would have told us more about what that joy is really going to be like. A little girl after church last night asked, Pastor, is there going to be eating there? Yes. That too will bring us joy, won't it? And what perfect joy it will be. But again, God hasn't told us everything. We, we simply will have to be content to wait and experience it firsthand. But what we do know is this, that when we get to heaven, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. Perhaps the more important question is not what will heaven be like, but how does one get there? And this the prophet Isaiah answers. He says, those who will be saved are the redeemed who walk on the highway of holiness. 
Now, this highway of holiness is obviously reference to Jesus' holiness that God gives to us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus' perfect obedience is holy life and his perfect sacrifice that washed away all of our sins, that is yours by faith in Jesus. By faith in Jesus alone, you are the redeemed of God, and by faith in Jesus alone, you are on the highway of holiness. And isn't that good reason for us, too, to come to this home as often as we can because through word and sacrament, God declares you holy, and through word and sacrament, the gospel message, he either creates or strengthens our faith by which the holiness of Jesus is ours. I would imagine that maybe you do remember the events of 9-11 and witnessed them on TV. But do you remember what happened on the Friday and Sunday after 9-11 on Tuesday? On that Friday, the president asked all churches to be open for prayers and that all churches ring their bells. And I remember on that Sunday after 9-11, churches were packed with people who were looking to the only one who could give comfort and strength namely our Savior God. And that's what we had hoped for this weekend, uh, that our church would be packed, not because of 9-11, but because of who our God is and what he has done to save us. Now, even though we realized we had invited everyone to come and worship, we knew that, that not everyone was going to be able to make it. I mean, that's the way it's always going to be. I don't believe on this side of the grave there will ever be a Sunday when every single member of St. Paul, 1,700 in number, would all be together to worship God at one time. But there will come a day when all believers will be together worshiping God. And not one believer will be missing. That will be the day when our Savior comes to finally deliver his people. And when we get there, you are going to hear the most beautiful words that you will ever hear from your Savior's lips. Welcome home. And what a welcomed home it's going to be. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's now join together in the confession of our Christian faith in the words of